The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. Good morning, and thanks for tuning in to Leaders Playbook, where you'll discover what emotional intelligence is all about and how to raise yours to be a top performer in business. Now, here's your host, Dr. Rell. Welcome to Leaders Playbook, tools for top performance. Here we're giving you hands-on tools to develop your emotional intelligence and emotional intelligence of the people that report to you. Today we're going to talk about developing others, one of the competencies of emotional intelligence. Some of the questions that we're going to look at is, why is direct feedback so important for employees? What are some of the reasons that managers don't give feedback? What is mentoring and why is it important? And really, what does a mentor do? What is the leader's responsibility in teaching about what's going on in the organization, organizational reality? And from the research on retention, what are the main things employees want in an organization that helps them stay? I'm Dr. Relly Nadler. I'm a psychologist and executive coach and your host today. And today we're hearing from the Star Secret segment from Sharon Jordan Evans. She's a pioneer in the field of employee retention and engagement. She's an executive coach a sought-after keynote presenter, and co-author of the Wall Street Journal bestseller, Love Em or Lose Em, Getting Good People to Stay. Uh, it's the world's best-selling employee retention and book and translated into 20 languages. Uh, her follow-up book with Beverly Kay is Love It, Don't Leave It, 26 Ways to Get What You Want at Work, which also became a Wall Street Journal bestseller and has been translated into uh, 15 languages. As a corporate coach and keynote speaker, her clients include uh, Boeing, Disney, Lockheed, Eminem, Mars, Monster, MTV, PBS, Sony, and Universal. And we'll bring her on in, in a, shortly and talk about developing others and tap into her expertise. But first, like we do, let's look at some of the key concepts of where we've come so far in talking about emotional intelligence. Someone who is a, is a star performer is someone who's performing in the top 10%. And what we found is that people who, for, who perform in the top 10% are high in, in emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence is defined as understanding and managing yourself and understanding and managing others. One of the key concepts is emotions are contagious. And leaders are the emotional thermostat for the team. Once we get people in the top 10%, they're twice, they're twice as effective as uh, managers who are in the 11th through 89th percentile. And the key in this is finding some micro-initiatives, some small things that can have a macro impact. We've also talked about uh, the brain science and about the amygdala hijack and how you can easily derail we talked about mirror neurons that were basically wired to connect. And every leader that I have worked with has underestimated their influence over their team. And if that's the case, they've underperformed, and so has their team. And so let's, today's focus is one of these key competencies of developing others. Developing others is a key component in leading others to become star performers. It's the process of identifying the strengths, and potentials of others, and then designing and implementing a plan for them to succeed. It provides support, timely feedback, and mentoring to bolster their career development. I just received an email from Dr. Ed Nottingham, 
And in a new study from the Chief Learning Officer uh, magazine, and they uh, got together with Corporate University Exchange, and they looked at 150 companies about leadership development. And what they found was 97% of the surveyed organizations indicated they're concerned about current leadership bench strength and their ability to develop talent. 91% said they are challenged to identify high potentials early in the career. While the organizations say that developing talent is the key competencies for their leader, the topic receives the fourth lowest amount of attention in formal leadership development programs. And 68% of the firm's commitment to leadership development is either weak uh, and not backed up by appropriate level. So 68% of the firm's commitment um, are not doing what they uh, are saying they're doing. So there's a difference between what they say they want and what they're doing. As we look at this concept of developing others, strong coaching and mentoring are, are two of the key aspects, and it also adds to better employment performance, high levels of loyalty, job satisfaction, and more opportunities for promotion. And, and we talked to Sharon. She'll follow up on some of those things. But as we're looking at what a key managers do, someone in the top 10%, superior managers who have an excellence uh, in developing others, this is the uh, second competency next to team leadership that really helps in developing organizations. And the relationship with one's boss is the best predictor how long someone's going to stay at a job. And an essential part, an essential part of that relationship is that the boss sees your potential and wants you to, to succeed. In a research from Zverian and, uh, Lou Harris Associates, they found that only 11% of employees who rated their bosses as excellent said they were likely to look for a different job. However, 40% of those who rated their bosses as poor said they were likely to leave. So what does that mean to the listeners? People with good bosses are four times less likely to leave than those with poor bosses. When I do uh, work with executives, and whether it's training or individually, a lot of times I like to look at what does, who is their best boss and what is their best boss said and done and what's been the impact on them and really talking about someone's best boss. If you're listening, you know, are you someone's best boss? Are they saying these things about you, that you're a top 10% performer, you're developing them? And the other thing about being a best boss, when you talk to, to leaders, many of the practices that other leaders in the organization are doing are those things that their best boss has done. So it's a leadership legacy. Uh, if you improve your leadership, not only is it going to help your direct people, it can be generations after you're out of the organization, they may still be doing some of those key uh, competencies and practices that you do. In Marcus Buckingham's book, The One Thing You Need to Know, they talked about what makes an outstanding leader or manager, and it was really looking at discovering the uniqueness of the work of the workers. Three key th things that come up. Do you know what their strengths are? Do you know what their motivations and triggers are? And do you know their particular style of learning? So if you want to be a uh, best boss, those are three things that are very important. So I'm really glad uh, now to bring on 
Sharon Jordan Evans. I've known her for about uh, four or five years now, and uh, have been very excited about the, the work that she's done. Again, she's a pioneer in the field of employee retention and engagement. She's an executive coach, a sought-after keynote uh, presenter, and her books "Love 'Em and Lose 'Em" and "Love It Don't Don't Leave It" have sold 500, over 500,000 books. Sharon, it's great to have you here. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's good to be here. So give us a little bit about your background, you know, just in kind of in working with organizations um, and, you know, maybe currently what you do now, and then we'll get into specifically some of these developing other techniques. Fortune 500 companies hire me to work with the people they can least afford to lose. And I do that work in two different ways. I'm an executive coach, so I work with people individually, sometimes with their teams as well, but most often one-on-one. And then the other way that I work with people in these organizations is um, by presenting to them in large groups, often annual corporate conferences and so on. I'll be the, the keynote presenter. And in both of those cases, my goal, my work, is to increase effectiveness and satisfaction. It's really both sides uh, of that coin. My background is uh, over 20 years in organization development. I have a master's degree in that arena. Uh, I've practiced in universities, corporations, and consulting firms, and finally opened my own business about a decade ago and uh, thoroughly enjoy this work. It's, all, it's interesting because I did my thesis many, many years ago on employee satisfaction, and I haven't strayed all that far from it. I, I'm still looking at employee engagement, satisfaction, and retention. Uh, that's, yeah, that's great. I know you've been doing really uh, fantastic work just with the, the books uh, that you've sold. And I know when uh, you and I met, you know, we we were both in two different departments at a, at a client, and I was hearing about all the good work that you, <laughs> that you were doing, and that was one of the first times I, I heard about your work. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> So, um, given that this is the focus around, you know, developing others, and that's why I'm really glad that you're, you know, or, or willing and available to talk. Um, and then I also looked at some of the great stuff that you have uh, from Fast Company. Maybe talk about what, you know, what your role is with Fast Company, and then we're going to specifically go into two things that, that relate to developing others. Fast Company uh, approached me and my co-author, uh, Bev K. a few years ago and asked if we would be uh, part of a small cadre of what they call experts in um, actually in the in a variety of fields, everything from uh, developing and motivating talent to um, you know business, more business related, how to build a company, whatever the topics might be. They've tapped people to be experts in that arena. So talent management was. Uh, the area that they said they felt fit best for the work that Bev and I were doing. And they asked us to begin to write an article for Fast Company Online on a regular basis. We started out on a monthly basis, found that that was a lot of work, mm-hmm. asked them if we could go to every other month, and, and that actually that's what we've been doing. And now fairly soon they're going to be changing uh, the formatting over to a blog. Right. And so we'll be participating in a very similar way, but we'll be uh, doing the expert blogging in, instead of penning an article every other month. It's been great, though, and it forces us to think more about our work, to get real specific about a topic or a subtopic, to dive into it, uh, to put it in language that we hope mm-hmm. will be entertaining and, and uh, very accessible for the readers. 
Well, what I like about your work in, in general with your books and then also this is, is kind of what the focus of this show is, how do you get these hands-on tools into the listeners' uh, hands that they can actually use? And so as we're looking at this idea of, of um, developing others, from the Goldman configuration of what does a average performer, this is, this is actually Goldman in the Hay Group in Boyatzis, the average performer or someone who meets expectations in developing others expresses positive expectations and provides support. But the stars do both of those, and in addition, they give timely feedback and they act as a mentor. So those are the two additional um, behaviors. And then when I was looking at your articles, the article that you have in September uh, 07 to tell them the truth is really all about feedback, which is one of the key things. And uh, when we come back from the break, what I want to do is kind of get specifically, more specific about why feedback is important and, and what are the reasons some managers don't give feedback. This is Leaders Playbook, Tools for Top Performance, and we'll be right back. Line in business. Voice America business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Once upon a time, there lived three energy hogs. Now, an energy hog is what you have when humans waste energy. One day, the three energy hogs set out to find themselves a cottage. Let's look for leaky windows, said the first energy hog, for he knew that would waste energy. Let's look for leaky doors, said the second. Let's look for a swing set, said the third, for he had more blubber than brains. So they set off down the road. Presently, they came upon a tiny cottage where dwelled a clever girl named Dreadilocks. I hope it has leaky windows, cried the first energy hog. I hope it has leaky doors, cried the second. I hope it has the bathroom, cried the third, for only his brains were smaller than his bladder. But Dreadilocks liked playing cool games at energyhog.org, and from energyhog.org she learned how to use energy wisely. So the three energy hogs were forced to look elsewhere to waste energy, and had to use the disgusting restroom at the gas station down the road. And the moral of the story is, to use energy wisely, log on to energyhog.org, or waste not, hog not. This public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. Homeowners, real estate investors, bankers, listen up and tune in to Finance, Foreclosures, and Foresight, the show that breaks it all down and gives it to you straight. Are you at risk of foreclosure? Interested in buying a foreclosed property? Mark Bull has the answers to the questions you might forget to ask. Finance, Foreclosures, and Foresight broadcast live on the Voice America Business Channel, Monday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific. You can't afford not to tune in. 
the Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're listening to Leaders Playbook, tools for top performance. If you have a question for Dr. Nadler, feel free to email him at rnadler at truenorthleadership.com. Now, back to Dr. Rell. Welcome back. We're talking with Sharon Jordan Evans, the uh, co-author of two books that have sold over half a million uh, copies on retention and employee development. And we're really talking now more specifically around some of the hands-on. Um, Sharon, why is direct feedback uh, so important for employees? Well, without feedback, um, you're not going to be able to move the needle on either job satisfaction or effectiveness. I mean, truly without it, we operate in an information void. We either think we're doing just great mm-hmm. and actually we could be doing better, uh, or sometimes we think we're not doing all that great and we're doing fine. Right. Because we're really, we're really, you know, managers aren't telling us either the good news or the corrective news. And so in the absence of that, we just wonder. And it actually, one of the reasons people leave organizations is because they're not getting feedback. The manager isn't giving them cues about how they're doing. And by the way, generationally, there's an interesting difference. The younger generations Mm -hmm. are used to feedback, expect feedback. They will be highly dissatisfied without it. And, and so you're saying, because it was one of the things we wanted to talk about, that younger generations, the uh, Gen Y or millennials, want more, more feedback than you're finding with the Gen Xers or the boomers? Oh, yeah. and Well, Xers were somewhat that way, too, but mm-hmm. Ys are definitely that way. Uh, and these are all generalizations when you talk right. about, of course, generational differences. But, but largely, the, the younger, the Gen Ys, the younger workers uh, in the organization uh, have been uh, highly trained, highly scheduled, highly coached, you know, in a number of different settings, everything from their sports team to their tutor in math. And a big part of that was constant feedback. I mean, Mm -hmm. you can imagine a musician or a star athlete making it without corrective input along the way. It just just wouldn't happen. They wouldn't get to that star level. So it, it is that true. And, in fact, employee surveys over and over again suggest that employees want more. They want more feedback, and <laughs> managers think they're doing it uh-huh. very often. They say, no, no, I gave feedback last December, you know, in that performance <laughs> review. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, I know one of the, one of the research uh, pieces that you've used, and I think and I saw in your book, I have in my book, in regards to uh, the Gallup poll, that it was like 65% of, of Americans in the American workforce have received no recognition, no praise in a year. Yes. And I know when I say that, people and uh, I'm alarmed, but there's always someone who says, no, in my last company, you know, and they had that experience. Right, and, and you know, it's interesting, really, because people think sometimes that the bonus check ought to take the place right. of the thanks or the praise or the feedback. And I know one story of an executive who left his organization in large part because his boss just wasn't giving him any kind of positive input. He handed him a big, fat bonus check at Christmas mm-hmm. and didn't even say thanks with it. And the bonus check was expected. It was it was based on work well done. So you'd think, oh, that employee should be thrilled right. walking away with that. He was not thrilled. And, in fact, he left the organization about six months later. Just because he didn't get it verbally. He got nothing. Yeah. yeah he got nothing verbally. Nothing like, yeah. we couldn't have done this without you. The organization excelled because of, uh, of your input. And, boy, do we want you to stick around and play for a yeah. while. Yeah. You know, that kind of message and, and manager's 
somehow just aren't doing enough of that. Either the corrective, I, I want to make this point, it's the positive feedback and also some corrective feedback. It's, uh-huh. And people really crave both. You know, the corrective may be uncomfortable in the moment sometimes. Right. You don't want to hear about our warts, but actually if we hear about them, then we can do something. Yeah, it gives you an opportunity. But I think uh, I, f- I found that too. Yeah, even at the highest level, I work with a, a vice chairman, and he was uh, saying he never hears anything from the chairman. Right. And this is a person, you know, who's um, very, very successful, you know, close to 60, making a lot of money, and it's just a human need. It's a human need. So so why do you think, uh, you know, what are some of the reasons that managers don't give feedback? Well, I'll give you a story, and, and we'll pull from the story what okay. some of those reasons are. Uh, I was coaching a guy, this was about a year ago, an executive, and he asked me to check in with his boss from time to time to see what his boss was viewing and to see if some of his behaviors were changing for the better. So I checked in with his, with his boss, a really nice guy, and his boss said, well, I think he's doing well. There is one thing, though. In meetings, he tends to dominate, and he puts his ideas out there, and he's and he's kind of impressive, and he tends to shut conversation down so other people don't offer up their ideas. Mm. And I said, oh, my goodness, wow, have you given him that feedback? And he goes, no, would you do it? <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, I'm the coach. You're the boss. Right. I mean, it really should come from you. Uh-huh. And he said, I'm very uncomfortable. And I said, why? And he said, well, First of all, it's just my opinion. Maybe nobody else thinks that. Secondly, he said, this culture is kind of a polite culture. We don't really do that. We don't tell people the negative stuff like that. Thirdly and most importantly, he said, what if I offend him? This guy is one of my key players. He's a star. I don't want to tell him. I might offend him. What if he even leaves or disengages? And I think that's one of the biggest fears of all. The other thing is they don't know how. He said, how would I approach it? How, right. how would I start? And, and I think that's so key is to say, well, you know, start by saying, I think you're great in this area, this area, this area, and I think you could even be more effective if you solicited input from other people. For example, in a meeting, if you did, 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 or I saw you do that and it worked great. Can you build on that? Mm-hmm. Can you do more of that? So for him, I mean, I coached him. You know, the bosses right. of the coaches get accidental coaching from time to time. And so I coached him on how to give feedback to this executive. Well, and that's, that's so important. I mean, one, that you're coaching the individual, and two, helping the boss. And I think that the uh, example you give is, is something that uh, we have in one of the assessments, uh, the derailleur technique called the smartest person in the room syndrome, mm-hmm. and, and how that can really, they may have all these other great things going, like you shared in the story, but that can become a huge derailleur. And, you know, the um, people, as they get higher in the organization, research suggests that these people get less and less feedback, accurate feedback. They get a lot of attaboys. They get a lot of pats on the back. You know, they begin to think, I believe, that they're almost perfect. And what a shame. People stop holding up the mirror to these folks, and it is one of the causes for career uh, stalling or stopping or derailing. Uh-huh. Because they don't get that, yep. And that's why I think the coaching is, is so important. So you mentioned a couple of good things about why they don't get feedback that what if they're not right, what if the person gets defensive. Um, are there other reasons why people won't want to give feedback? Well, you know, the, the concern, I'm concerned that I'll look arrogant or, mm. or I could be abrasive if I come across with this news, especially if it's corrective news. Um, oh, there's another one that that... 
people uh, sometimes don't want to give positive feedback for fear of blowing up somebody's ego. Right. right. Or um, what if I praise him too much and then he wants a raise and I can't give him a raise? Mm. So bosses withhold their feedback for so many reasons, both the positive and the negative. Um, but those are just a few. Okay, good. Well, I know you know this also, I think, from uh, some of the research of the Gallup when they talk about kind of the, the ratio of positive to negative. Typically in, in relationships, personal relationships, it's kind of five positive interactions to one negative. And then in the uh, organizational world, I think they've taken that same research and made it to at least it's got to be three to one, three positive to, to one negative. Do you find that in your work that folks are, do, are able to do that that much? I think it's all over the map. I think the best bosses, the star bosses, right. the ones you're talking about, absolutely do that. It is it is significantly more positive than corrective. But because there's that flow, that ongoing flow of appreciation and valuing what the person does and pointing it out, noticing mm-hmm. it in the moment, saying, wow, that was great what you just did, you know, because there's so much mm-hmm. of that and it's an ongoing flow, they have the liberty then to say, I think you could be even more effective right. if, and right. to fill that in, to do that developmental slash coaching kind of feedback. Okay, that's good. So you could you could be more effective if you do this as after you've given him, you know, some yes. problem along with something else. Yeah, I think of it uh, as developmental. It's not so much, boy, you know, you do a bad job in meetings. You tend to take over. Nobody gets to say a word. I mean, at this point, talk about the amygdala hijack right. that you mentioned earlier. You know, this poor, this poor individual can't hear anything else yep. and, and can't use their creative brain to make sense of what you're saying. They're just in fight-or-flight mode at that moment. But if you can find, especially find a time when he did it right, you know, I noticed one time that you let John bring up his idea and you really listened, you really heard it. I think you'd be even more effective if you did more of that. Uh-huh. That's, a, that's a great way to do that. And I think uh, for leaders, you know, if they can start giving more more positive feedback, and if, if they went to their their direct reports and said, um, can I give you some feedback, wouldn't it be nice that the person didn't have it hijacked and go, oh, no, what's, what's this going to mean? But, yeah. <laughs> you're right, but they could say, huh, this could be positive, this could be negative. And, and just to get that neutral stance, if they have to at least give enough positive so um, have there been some tips, you know, that you coach people on how to best give feedback and give a little bit of uh, an idea what's the if? Absolutely. I mean, first I'll, I'll hit three kind of broad brush tips, and then we can talk about a few more specifics. Uh, first tip is this. View it as a gift. Mm. If you can think of feedback as a gift, you won't be so hesitant to give it. And think about the times when you got feedback even kind of, Ouch feedback, but thank goodness someone gave it to you. Thank goodness someone mm-hmm. told you that you talk too much or that you interrupt others. Mm-hmm. So you may not have really liked it in the moment, but boy, are you glad someone pointed that out. So if you can view it as a gift right. and give it in that sense, that'll help a lot. Balance it between the positive and the corrective is the second major tip. We already talked about that. Mm-hmm. And also make sure that you're giving both performance and development news. So, you know, performance news is about how you did against your performance objectives. You hit these three, oop, fell short on that one a little bit. That's the kind of feedback we give in performance reviews. Mm -hmm. But what about development feedback? And that's what I was speaking to earlier. 
when it's, you know, I think, really, you'd be even more effective if you increased your negotiation skills. So I'd like to see you, you know, work with a mentor on negotiating. Okay. Well, these are, these are great tips. Um, we're talking with Sharon Jordan Evans. We're going to uh, go to break, and we'll come back and talk more about feedback, and then we're going to move into mentoring. What, it, what are the top ways to be a mentor? We'll be right back. Line in business. Voice America business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and and influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Before every word, there is a thought. Before every action, there is a thought. If everything starts with a leader, what happens when leaders around the world start to think and do things differently? I'm thinking the world will change. Evolve the leader. Evolve the company. Change the world. Join Susan Kavanaugh for Summit Speak. All leaders rise. Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Adding fractions is nothing. For real? Look, these are denominators. You multiply this one so that it's the same as that, then you add them up. Man, that's easy. Charles Bennett dreamed of returning to the old neighborhood as a teacher. But without money for college, only half of his dream came true. He's back in the old neighborhood. Well, enough math. I got to deliver these sandwiches. Please support the United Negro College Fund. A mind is a terrible thing to waste. A message from the UNCF and the Ad Council. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're listening to Leaders Playbook, tools for top performance. If you have a question for Dr. Nadler, feel free to email him at rnadler at truenorthleadership.com. Now, back to Dr. Rell. This is Leaders Playbook, tools for top performance. We're talking with... Uh, Sharon Jordan Evans, and we're talking about uh, feed, feedback. And I wanted to mention one more thing about uh, feedback, and then we're going to shift and also talk about what is it like to be a mentor. And again, we're looking at the two specific behaviors that will separate you from just meeting expectations to exceeding expectations, giving timely feedback, acting as a mentor. One of the things, Sharon, um, that, that I also like to talk to people is really eliminate that word but and use and, and we've all kind of known when, when that but's going to happen. Well, I really like what you did here. You know, this seemed to work pretty good, and we're kind of hanging on. We know the word but's going to come. They're waiting for it. They're waiting for it, and, <laughs> and they're not even listening to what you're saying because they're waiting for the but. 
but if, but if they can use or and if they can use and mm-hmm. they really the positive and negative coexist. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, any other things on feedback before we we shift over to? Mentoring that we haven't mentioned? Well, I think most people know some of the general rules, and I know you're including a nice little tool for people to take right. a look at. Uh, you know, the general guidelines about feedback, having it immediate or as soon mm. after something good happens as is possible. Um, you know, delivering feedback in a way that matters most to people. So finding out what their individual preferences are. Some people would love it if you said in front of the whole yeah. staff, boy, did you knock the, the ball out of the park on that project. Other people would be embarrassed. They don't want you to do that. They'd really rather you say it to them in private. Uh, even even as positive feedback, don't uh-huh. assume that people want it, um, you know, in front of others. So I think that's really important to customize it. You know, if you can focus more on the future than the past, I think that's, Terrific. So it's about looking forward. It's about building on successes. If you if you can do that, that's uh, going to be more effective. Having some clear examples. Uh, you you for example, if you say, well, I think you'd be more effective if you delegated more. Uh, for example, last quarter's project you did pretty much by yourself. It came out absolutely great. However, I think that's kind of a but. And I think um, next time include some other people and and. Bring them along, develop them uh-huh. in the process. So, so making it specific and, and giving some examples of what they could be doing. Absolutely, and remembering this distinction between performance feedback and development mm. feedback, development news. I think that is so important, and many, many managers skip the development feedback piece. They stick to their script in the performance review. They look at the performance objectives, and that's what they address. Okay. Well, those are all, those are all great tips, and I think one of the things. Um, I also just wanted to mention just that you had said, you know, it's it's in the moment. And if we think about a lot of this emotional intelligence tools and tips, it's these micro-initiatives, but they really happen uh, in these moments of truth. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't have to take a lot of time, but the more immediate the better. And it's maybe these two- to five-minute interactions that truly the, the star leaders are taking advantage of, the average leaders are ignoring or forgetting about. Absolutely. So if we look at the second um, key thing that someone who exceeds expectations or someone who's a star, someone who's the top 10% is really taking opportunities to mentor. And, and like we talked about, you have a whole article in, in Fast Company called Mentor Them. Absolutely, yes. And in, in fact, in, in Love Them or Lose Them, we have a chapter on mentoring as well. It is so important. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this research, Rally, but people are twice as likely to stay in an organization if they have a mentor. Mm two times more likely to stay than if they don't. And I always ask people to kind of think back to a time when they were mentored. You know, how did it happen? How did the mentoring occur? What did this person do or not do? And when I ask a group, you know, maybe I ask 300 people that question, and then I come back and I say, how many of you couldn't think of one? Mm. And it's sad to see. Uh-huh. Sometimes a fourth to a third of the hands will go up. They cannot remember being mentored. Wow. They can't think of a time when they had a mentor. Now, the people who do raise their hands, I'll say, how did it happen? How did he or she mentor you? And it really is in some very, very basic ways. They are mentored uh, very often by role modeling. Somebody is just modeling the behaviors mm-hmm. they would like them to follow. They're sometimes mentored um, just from in- some encouragement or, or nurturing along the way. Uh, some of them say, I was mentored by just uh, some great feedback, ongoing mm-hmm. feedback. 
uh, often I hear I was mentored by storytelling. Oh, okay. And, uh, in fact, my husband used to work for Lockheed Skunk Works. They're the people who created the, the stealth fighter and some other interesting right. invisible <laughs> kinds of airplanes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he used to be in a room in an office with Kelly Johnson, who's the, the guy who started that hmm. whole operation, the Skunk Works. And my husband said he was the most amazing mentor. And I said, wow, how did he mentor you? He said, you know, we, we used to just sit there and he'd tell me stories. He would tell stories about successes, about failures, about things he learned, about what you know mm-hmm. should have been done, could have been done, will be done next time. He said, I just learned so much. And so then I said, well, wow, at this point now you're a senior executive in this organization. Are you mentoring others the way Kelly mentored you mm-hmm. or, or in your own unique way? He thought about it for a while. This was just a few years ago. And he said, sadly, no. And I said, why? And he said, time. I don't have time. Right. And I hear this all the time. And by the way, for your listeners, yeah. I don't think we're just imagining that we're working harder. I don't think that's in our imagination. I think we are working harder. And I do I do think that time is the, the most prized commodity. And the sad part is that managers then may not be taking the time to, to mentor right. uh, appropriately. Well, that goes back to the, you know what I've been calling these micro-initiatives. And, and when I work with folks, I say, well, let's break that time down at, you know, and really how long does it take? And so it's asking those second and third uh, set of questions that when they really say, you know, this would take two minutes or three minutes. Because when you first talk to them, they go that all the time. But if you break it down to whether it's 30 seconds or two or three minutes, nobody can say, well, I don't, I don't have time to do that, especially when you talk about some of the research and the value around retention and productivity. Yeah, it really is mini-mentoring in a way. It's yeah. not the old mentoring that we think of where you're attached at the hip to somebody for uh-huh. your entire career. Uh-huh. That may exist still in pockets, but most often, no, we're talking about uh, mini-mentoring and and many mentoring moments and mentoring in the moment and mentoring on the run. I mean, that's really what we're talking uh-huh. about now. It's the ongoing uh, mentoring. And by the way, the manager, of course, is not the only mentor for an individual. Sometimes one of the things a star manager will do is find other mentors for right. some of their talented people and say, I think you could learn this from this person and, and hook them up. Well, I can see with your alliteration of these M's with the mini-mentoring and the mentoring the moment, <laughs> these are all these are all going to be in the next book or article. Right. Yeah, I just try to say all that real fast. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> Um, so if we talk about uh, mentoring, and then you have in your um, article, it looks like you have the acronym of mentor. You know, maybe you can just walk us through kind of the, mm-hmm. the steps of kind of of uh, what those are, so someone can ingrain that and in, in how they should mentor. Absolutely, the M stands for model, and that's be aware of your own role modeling. You know, wh- what are you modeling? I had an executive say to me that he had just told his people he wanted them to have work-life balance. And I said, oh, great. How are you modeling that? And he stopped dead in his tracks, and he said, uh, probably not too well. He <laughs> arrives at the office at 6 a.m. His car is still in the parking lot at 9 or 10 p.m. Oh, wow. So he's not modeling it. And what are people paying attention yeah. to? His actions, right? Well, not I, the words. Yeah, exactly that. And, I, and I've had people... Even though they know it's crazy, they don't want to leave unless their boss has left. Mm-hmm. And yeah. been, you know, but the, bo- the boss has told them, "No, go ahead, don't do as I do." Right. But they don't want to leave. They're sitting there and they're looking and oh, the lights still on. They're still in there. Bosses, I think you listeners that are bosses, I don't think you realize the power and influence you have, and yes. how people watch your every move and they listen to your every word. 
That's a little intimidating, isn't it? Well, it is. Well, <laughs> you know, well, that's what I, what I said earlier. And I've, been, I've been saying that every every leader that I've uh, dealt with has underestimated their influence. Yes. And it's exactly that. And once you say that, the heads seem to nod. Yes. And I say, if that's the case, every leader is underperformed and every team is underperformed. And it's all these micro-initiatives. It's all these things that they just don't realize that everybody's reading into. That's right. That's right. The um, in the acronym model uh, E stands for encourage, and you know that's to support your people in some of the risk taking that's essential to their growth, the development. Uh, encourage them in good times and bad. You know, if they mm-hmm. slip up, uh, if they fall down, which by the way, in risk taking we know is going to happen. In development is going to happen. Uh, you want to be there for them, help them, pick them up, dust them off, move them on their way. Very important that encouraging piece. Uh, nurturing is so important. Uh, nurturing ideas, nurturing relationships, get to know their unique skills, their capabilities, get to know your people, mm-hmm. uh, and, wor- and work with them to do the most with their talents, to leverage their talents. Okay. And, and so- then the last piece is teach or- organizational reality, which is telling it like it is. Um, you know, help them avoid the organizational minefields that aren't written about in a policy manual. Uh-huh. Oh, that's that's great. Cause especially when someone comes in, they they don't know all those uh, subtle things that go on in an organization. And so, do they get oriented that way, or or if not, can they ask those questions? Well, and it is one of the the many ways that we lose talent. I call it quick quits when people enter the organization. You know, they're most vulnerable for the first few months uh-huh. of their of their engagement there. And what's happening uh, is the manager is not taking a key enough role in the orienting and the mentoring and the encouraging. And a part of it is this teach organizational reality piece. It's talking about kind of the underbelly of the organization, like which meetings you dare not be late for, who you shouldn't go around, how work really gets done here versus what the org chart says. It's that kind of thing. It's even calling somebody on a style or an attitude that's going to get them in trouble. It might have worked fine at their last organization, and we we know about a woman who was derailed within about six months. She left the organization, and she was a star. They were sick when she left. But she it, it was an attitude and a style that was putting people off. She came in with that. It worked fine in her previous organization. It did not work fine in the new organization, and nobody Hold her, uh-huh. and so she left six wow. months later. I have a, an example of kind of the opposite of an organization that was highly regulated, and here this person came in as a go-getter, and everybody told him, including me as his coach, said, you know, take it easy. They're not really expecting much. I mean, the opposite mm-hmm. of what you would normally hear. And this person ended up not fitting in because he kept driving ideas when they said, well, you don't really know us well. You don't really, you don't know our organization. And so that was the the other side of that. Absolutely. Okay, we're going to go for the next break. This is Leaders Playbook Tools for Top Performance, and we're talking with Sharon Jordan-Evans. The bottom line in business, Voice America Business. 
Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better? What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Do you need directions to solve financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Dad, let's sing that bedtime song. Rockabye baby by Newton's treetop. His first law of motion makes sure you won't stop. The same rules of physics apply to a ball. While gravity is a force that makes things fall. By the sixth grade, many girls lose interest in math and science, but it's never too early to set your daughter's future in motion. For some simple ideas, go to girlsgotech.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Girl Scouts of USA and Ad Council. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're listening to Leaders Playbook, tools for top performance. If you have a question for Dr. Nadler, feel free to email him at rnadler at truenorthleadership.com. Now, back to Dr. Rell. This is Leaders Playbook, tools for top performance, and today we're talking with Sharon Jordan-Evans. We're talking about developing others. Sharon's been giving us some great tips around feedback, and now we're talking about mentoring. And then in your mentoring article, both in your book and Fast Company, you have a model for giving encouragement. Maybe that would be helpful for our listeners. Sure. Uh, there really are three steps when you're giving encouragement that you could follow. One is to recognize. That's step number one where you notice something. Second is verbalize, actually say something about what you notice. And number three is mobilize or do something. So let me give you a quick example. Yeah. Um, here's the recognized step. The, the uh, Liliana is is an employee who gives a beautifully designed flyer to her manager, and she says, I've been doing some fiddling around with that new graphics program and the laser printer. Now, the recognized step would be this. The manager says, hmm, looks great. I didn't know you liked this kind of stuff. Now, that's good. That's fine. All right. Now, here's recognize and verbalize. The manager says, this is really good. Is this something you'd like to do more of? Mm. That's even a little bit better. It's like heading in a direction with her. And then to recognize, verbalize, and mobilize, this assumes there's a conversation with her, of course. The manager would say, if you like this kind of work, why not let Mark and graphics know while you're there, find out what he's offering, when he's offering his next graphics course. And that would be best. So it's, 
it's actually, and it assumes a dialogue back and mm-hmm. forth, but it assumes then that the manager is listening actively, he hears that this is an interest or a passion for his employee, and he's actually willing to do something about it. That's the best kind of encouragement. Sort of take it to that to that next step. Exactly. And, and I like that question, you know, is this something that you'd like to do more of? Because uh, one of the things you said earlier, you know, in, in great mentoring is, is do you know their triggers, do you know their strengths and their weaknesses? Well, maybe you don't. Right. But that's why you have a voice that so you can really ask them, well, well, you know, how do you like this? Is this something you want to do more of? You know, ideally trying to focus more on the strengths that they can do. Absolutely. I always ask managers, do you know what each of your employees is passionate about? Uh-huh. Do you know what rings their chimes? Do you know which part of the work they yeah. love and which part they don't love so yeah. much? Because maybe you can do some job sculpting with this individual. And I would say from my experience, to answer those questions, probably most of them don't, you know, but you're, obviously your better leaders do. And it kind of goes back to um, this metaphor that Marcus, Marcus Buckingham has, you know, how well do you know your players? Are they checkers, that everybody's the same? They move, mm-hmm. they move one step forward. Or, like you're saying, are they chess players that you know them uniquely, who moves across the board, who moves up two steps and over one, you know, and, and that's the idea. If you don't know that, those, that's what they should find out. So important. And, you know, the best mentors as bosses are conducting ongoing stay interviews. You know, the exit interview, which is the sad, sad time when you lose some talent and you didn't want to and you're shocked and you ask why. Instead of that... I believe managers could be conducting ongoing stay interviews, mm-hmm. and it's questions like this: what do, mm-hmm. what do you love doing? What do you want to learn next year? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's conducting those on an ongoing basis. You know, uh, something I do as a coach, and I probably you do too, that almost every question I ask is is kind of information and constantly assessing. You know, so what's going on? Where do I go next with this? And I think great uh, leaders, um, Pete Cow, the USC coach, you know, I heard him interviewed and saying how. When he's, uh, he, he likes seeing his players in different situations, everything is information to help mm-hmm. deal with them. Now, I wonder if that's the same way that do leaders do that enough, you know, that mm-hmm. everything is information about their people that they're developing. Right, right. So important. So um, around mentoring, I'm just saying if there's any other kind of things we want to say about mentoring, any other you know, I think we really touched on on the key pieces okay, of good. it, and every manager is going to mentor in his or her own unique right. way. And and remember, uh, managers, it is about ongoing mentoring. It's those those many many mentoring moments. How about that? Yes. Uh, if that's what it, that's really what it's about. Many many <laughs> mentoring moments. How about so you that? Got, you got four M's there. That's good. <laughs> I added one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's the ongoing, and so it's those mentoring moments, but then also. Um, you know, do they r- regularly meet with their people? And, yeah. You know, and some people say, oh, yeah, I, I do one-on-ones, you know, maybe once a month or, or once mm-hmm. a quarter, and that's probably not it's not enough to truly develop your people. It's not. And by the way, when you cancel the one-on-one with someone and you think it's no biggie, it's a biggie. Yeah. It's a biggie. If you can protect your one-on-ones that you scheduled, you have a, you are saying something loud and clear to your treasured, talented employees. You matter to me. You know, I will move mountains to keep this yep. appointment with you. And and I know so many bosses these days that cancel uh, one-on-ones week after week, right. month after month. And and I've coached people who say, yeah, I haven't met with my boss for about six months. Jeez, incredible. Now, what, have you found is it what's what do you think is the the good amount of time uh, to have one-on-ones? Is it once a week, uh, twice a month, or? 
Well, I, I tilt toward more frequently. Okay. I also think it depends on the scope the manager has. I think it depends on, right. to some degree, geography. And, you know, we have virtual teams all over the planet these days. And how does that work? How does that fit best? But I tilt toward uh, frequency. So, you know, weekly, if you can make it happen, even if, if it's a short check-in, yep. it doesn't have to be a one-hour meeting, right. but a short check-in, I think that would be great. If you have people, you know, in the same locale as you, you should be ideally seeing them every day. I mean, that would be great. Uh, you are, you're going to increase the odds of keeping, engaging and keeping mm-hmm. your talent if you can touch base with them frequently. Okay, that's really good. And that's what I would, I would say also. Uh, you know, once a week, you know, ideally, if you can do it formally, but at least not you know, informally, and you know, just like you're saying, even if it was 15, 20 minutes, at least that's the consistency. Right. You know, that the person knows you care about them. Consistency matters. So as we start winding down here, you know, your key contributions that you've done such a great job with has been around the satisfaction and retention. Are there some of the main things that, you know, the employees want in an organization around retention? And then if we have time, maybe we'll talk about some of the specific generations. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so actually, Bev and I have conducted research for the last decade, a little more than a decade. We've asked over 17,000 people now what keeps them in an organization for a while. And a while is a relative term. So for some people, a while is two years. For others, it's 20 or 30 years. And what we see is the top five stay factors are, number one, exciting work and challenge, number two, career growth, learning and development, number three, great people, number four, fair pay, and number five, good boss. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, the good boss can actually impact the top four factors. Uh, People that are interested can let me know, by the way. They can access this information. It's broken down demographically. It's in the book, Love Them or Lose Them, but it also is available in a report. And, you know, I think this is so important because people too often think it's about the money. And if you sit ten managers in a room and ask what keeps people, nine out of ten will say money. We know it's a hygiene factor. It better be fair and competitive and adequate to live on. Because if it's not, you know, people could leave or their Mm -hmm. antenna will go up at least. But ironically, if I'm bored, silly, I don't like my boss or the people I work with, I see no career path, I am not staying for a little bump in pay. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to go find work that gives me those other things. So I think that's a really important aha for a lot of managers. So those are are great. Um, Learning... Good people. The first one you said was what? Exciting, Exciting work Exciting and challenge work. is okay. number one. Career growth, learning, and development is number two. Great people to work with is number three. Fair pay is number four. And five is good boss. So um, how can they find out some of this information from either your website or, or the Keep Em website? Yes. Um, I'd say go to my website. It's www.jeg.org. That stands for Jordan Evans Group, .org. And uh, contact me if you want to. I'd be happy to chat with you. And for the listeners, you can go to uh, leadersplaybook.com. There's a feedback tool that will will help give you the actual steps and you can follow the bouncing ball and give them good feedback. And, Sharon, thank you very much for all the expertise and all the good work you've done. You're so welcome. This has been Leaders Playbook, Tools for Top Performance. Uh, Thank you for joining.
We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Leaders Playbook with Dr. Relly Nadler. If you would like to learn more about Dr. Rel, or if you would like to email him directly, visit his website at www.truenorthleadership.com. And be sure to join us next Monday for another episode of Leaders Playbook. We'll see you then.